It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Austin Rhodes bye week. The last episode of our second bye week before the Huskers head to Madison, Wisconsin this upcoming weekend. Ten point underdogs, Austin. That's not too bad. It's although it is surprising based off of what the odds makers have been giving us for what we thought was superior talent, but Wisconsin's been playing pretty well. They have caught fire and it's not like they're beating teams by 15. I mean, they're pummeling teams. Yes. Um, and that's not even what Wisconsin does typically because they don't really have a quarterback that can throw it. But now they've found their run game. That's rolling now. That's not a good sign to see. And who knows where the state of our players are going to be. Yeah. I And it's on the road. And Madison's a – that's a tough – you know, that's a tough environment to win in, but I don't know. After – we're so bad off by weeks. We're going to get destroyed. <laughs> Teaser. Teaser. Well, there won't be a whole lot of football updates this week. Uh, it is worth mentioning that JoJo Doman will be out for the rest of the, of the year with surgery mm-hmm. on his thumb or hand, I believe. He's done as a Husker. I mean, he's done the rest of the year. His career is over. Well-served. JoJo played really well. One of our better defenders over the last couple of years. So, hopefully, he'll – I mean, he'll get picked up in the NFL draft. How early, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I I do think he'll be drafted. Agreed. Oh, and the other cool thing to mention, ESPN did a neat feature on Damian Jackson Mm -hmm. uh, this this week for Veterans Day and – it's about five minutes long. So if you haven't checked that out and seen it yet, go on the internet and Google it. You can find it. I thought it was really well done and put together and told his story of coming up. And, and now this year getting some playing time um, as a Husker on, on the defensive side of the ball. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. It also might be worth mentioning the contract details where Scott Frost came out, the official, you know, deadlines for when we, when it goes into effect. And like, I think we have until, it's after week six next year. If I remember October 1st, I believe was the date that it all, most of the salary cuts come into effect. So they basically said, Hey Scott, we're giving you six weeks next year to show us something. And if you got nothing it after that October fair 1st, game. we can cut you. It is fair game for half the price. 
Yes. It's like putting something on discount, you know. It's like you can buy buy it fifty percent off if if we don't do well after for six weeks. Right. So it's that that's kind of what it looks like. You know, if you actually look at the date, I believe Indiana is the last game. So, you know, if we aren't four and two or at least 500, I would not be surprised if October 2nd, we're in the hunt for a new head coach, but could be wrong. All right. Well, this episode is mainly going to be basketball talk, college basketball talk, some Husker basketball talk, and then (laughs) some overall big 10 basketball talk. No wolf for that one. No wolf for the Big Ten so far. Uh, they actually look pretty good. All undefeated except for Michigan State, who lost to Kentucky, Kansas, Kansas opening night. Yep. And then Nebraska basketball lost to you know, Western Illinois. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. They lost to Western Illinois. You mentioned that last time, but that was last Tuesday. We lose that game by one. Those darn pretty Illinois much, teams, I tell you what. Pretty much at the buzzer, too. I mean, it was right at the end. It. I, I went to the game. It had a feeling of, okay, we'll, we'll win. We'll win by five. We'll squeak it out. We'll get it done. And then until it actually happened and we lost, it was like, oh, we lost to Western Illinois. And we're 0-1. And mm-hmm. Austin's Final Four hopes. Well, I've been, I was talking about women's basketball. They oh, look incredible. Well, I, yeah. I have men's. I mean, <laughs> come on. The women are beating people like by – they held their last opponent to 33 points, you know, like we're, they're winning by 50 some points every game. I'm yeah. I was women's Hunter. Come on. Women, you know, I'm a big women's basketball fan on Friday. The Huskers pulled out a win. The men pulled out a win against Sam Houston state 74 to 65. It was not an easy one though. It was a Bad first half. game. And I think the second half about the 10 minute mark is when we finally took the lead. And then, mm-hmm road to the win so a couple of tight well-tested battles here to open the year against a team that returned some but a lot of their production so far this year were players that were not on the team last year and those two being Bryce McGowan's and Alonzo Verge Jr. who Bryce went scored 25 points against Western Illinois 29 against Sam Houston State and then Verge scoring 26 against Western Illinois and then 13 against Sam Houston State. But those two by far are our leading scorers so far this year. What are your, what are your thoughts on those two? McGowan's. So obviously the first game he looked a little bit uncomfortable. It was kind of his – I mean, it's upsetting because we saw them play really well in the exhibition game against Colorado. That was an exhibition game. He looked a little uncomfortable – you know, watching the highlights and kind of the errors there week one or game one, he looked a lot more comfortable. He was very efficient. I mean, we're only going to have him for a year, right? He's, I think he's projected currently as his 20th prospect in the NBA draft, averaging 27 points for two games. Um, So that is good to see that we have an efficient scorer at the wing. Alonzo Verge is kind of a different story he just (laughs) what do you mean by that (laughs) it's uh so he scores a lot of it's you sent me the text of the teddy allen-esque where he's 
not maybe not taking the best of shots, not very efficient shooter by any means, averaging 36% on field for field goal percentage on the year, 16.7 on three point percentage, which maybe alludes to the shot selection of what he's taking. He can obviously score. Um, he, he, you know, he's a well-rounded seven rebounds, six assists, two steals. He's not killing us elsewhere. So I'd expect those numbers to go up as he gets comfortable in uh, Hoiberg's offense, which is designed around, Hey, you're going to take the efficient three point shot, or you're going to cut in and take the efficient, you know, you know, layup or dunk at the basket by the guards. So I want to get to Hoiberg's offense here in a second, but you nailed my point on the head 13 for 36 mm-hmm. open the year for verge. And yeah, he has good rebounding and assist numbers. The ball is in his hands a lot, and he's taking yes. on that that point guard playmaker type position that was actually Trey McGowan's last year, where they moved Trey off guard and moved Alonzo Verge to that point position. And the game that I went to, I didn't watch his last time, but it looked like it could have been a similar story. He's definitely athletic and he's quick. Don't get me wrong, and his shot doesn't look that bad either, but the decision-making and the time when to drive in the lane and then when to shoot it when you're in the lane was not there. And it seemed like it probably wasn't there then for game two as well. And he is the definition of what we call a black hole. And black hole, all that means is the ball gets in their hand and it's not coming back out. Right, or if it is, it's not a good shot selection that's getting popped out right. too. So, I'm with you. He, he he does have the ability. I get it, but his mindset of how he needs to get that done is not there. And I want to say that he can be coached to do that, but he is a senior. He's played mm-hmm. all of his years. I'm not sure how much he's going to give to that, and it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch with him and his mentality throughout the season. Being a senior, being I guess the age leader and then also having the ability the abilities to do that. But at the same time, he's not like big. He's not even Teddy there, Allen big. Listen, there might be a reason he was the sixth man of the year in the PAC 12 last year, you know, Arizona, Arizona state, correct. That's where he was. There might've been a reason that he was coming off the bench and not a starter. Correct. Even though he's scoring a ton. So he, I, 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 this is not I 100% solid, but I'm pretty sure like 80, 90%. This is the interaction that I saw at the game that I was at. So it was early in the second half. Coach Hoiberg, it was either he took a timeout or it was one of those media timeouts. And Hoiberg, when he's frustrated with our offense, you see him like doing the pass signal with his hands all the time, like telling his players to pass the ball which is unfortunate that he has to do that. But he was doing that as Bryce McGallans came off the court and he kind of got in Bryce's face a little bit and started coaching him and holding him accountable and saying, you need to pass the ball. And I'm about 80 to 90% sure Bryce put his thumb like back over his shoulder and said, well, he's not regarding Mm. Verge walking off the court. And Verge was behind him. And basically, it was like, well, if he's not going to, why do I have to? And I'm like, oh, God. Like, this is – I don't know if I texted you this, but it's like fourth-grade girls basketball. You got you got the two best players trying to fight and who can – Only one basketball. 
Yeah. So that's definitely what happened that opening night and watching it like that team had no business playing with us, how athletic we were, but we weren't ready to play. Everybody thought they could do whatever they wanted to on offense, on defense, same thing. We were lazy. We didn't want to play defense until the very end. And at that point it was a tight mm-hmm. game and you know, anything can happen in the last three, four minutes of a game. So it was very unfortunate to see us lose to a team that is not even a good, like, uh, mid-major team. They went 7-18 and 18 last year. Now, they returned quite a bit, and they were big, but they're not that solid of a team. So it's kind of puzzling, but at the same – and frustrating. It's frustrating that that was week one. After, it, I think what made it extra frustrating is, like I said – Colorado is projected to be, you know, a tournament team. And we played really well against them in the exhibition. So it's upsetting to see that after coming off of that. I'm going to guess it was just one of those. It was a couple things. Um, we'll talk about the rebounding in a little bit. But part of it probably was that the team was a little overlooked. You know, there was probably a little bit of that. Hey, we're Nebraska arrogance. Like, we're a big power five school. You're not. We can probably just win this off of talent, not system alone. Well, while we're still on Bryce, too, I, like you said, I've been, I've been very impressed with him. He is just a natural scorer of mm-hmm. the basketball. He is very athletic. He's long. He can shoot it well. He didn't shoot it great so far the first couple of games. He's better. Well, I mean, he's 52% field goal percentage, last game. 30, 39 from the field. Yeah. So, I think he was one for six maybe the night that we watch it. But he just looks like a pure scorer and – yeah, like you said, I think this year is going to be fun with him and seeing him develop and grow and play in the Big Ten. The only thing that's a little bit concerning is his strength. I think everywhere else he checks the boxes physically but and mentally, but I, I'm a little bit concerned that maybe he might get bullied around a little bit in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, but, but we'll see, I guess, when we get there. He's definitely the far superior athlete on the court in these games so far. Yeah, he's our best player, and it's, I don't even know if it's a close second. And he is a five-star crew, so that would that makes sense. Make a lot of sense. All right, well, let's let's go to that rebounding talk here. So, yeah. the opening game we were out rebounded by the Leathernecks, fifty-seven to thirty-seven, and then against Sam Houston State we were out rebounded forty-five to forty, but it was a lot wider. It wasn't until the that. end when we. Close that gap. Correct. So clearly rebounding is on the top of the agenda for Hoiberg staff to teach and coach. And he said that after the first game and we didn't see a whole lot of improvement going into game two. And rebounding is one of those things that it takes skill. It does, but not very Mm -hmm. much of it. It is a lot more of a, that's an effort. That's an effort. effort, Mental toughness. Like, just go get the ball. Um, And that's scary that that is where we struggle. Now, like I said, we are a little bit undersized. We're not super strong, but we got big guys in the middle. Derek Walker, um, he's not tall, but he's he's fit and strong. Eduardo Andre got a few more minutes and and looked decent from what I've heard in the Sam Houston Mm -hmm. State game. So there's pieces there, but... It always comes down to that mental toughness, effort, 
the will and want to go get a rebound. Yeah. And I think I a hundred percent agree with that. And we did say going into the Western Illinois game, Hey, they are big. It's going to be a, that was the thing we were most, we were like, it's a good matchup for us to like break into because that is where we struggled in. And the big tens of the big boy conference. And obviously getting out rebounded by 20 <laughs> is ridiculous. Latmine didn't play, but Latmine is not really a good rebounder in that game. Latmine has not played well really at all this year, mm-hmm. um, which is worth noting. But just our bigs, Eduardo, Andre, he also didn't play that first game coach's decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was about. So it was really just Derek Walker. Wilhelm Breidenbach has looked like an absolute stud when he's not in foul trouble, but he's had issues with fouling. Um, in game one, he struggled. <laughs> and Yes, in game one, he struggled struggled but he also had a lot he had foul issues in game one too Correct. yep and then this last game he was he fouled out if i remember correctly so um our big guys have not played well outside Derek walker's performed all right um he's definitely kind of our presence down low but yeah you're right it is an effort thing uh our we, we have the size. We do have the size. We, it might not be beefy size, but we have like the length. The length. Definitely the length. Yes. We have the yes. length and height. We, you're, we might not have like, yeah, we're, we don't have like the Maryland centers that <laughs> seem to always just throw us around. But we have to get better about, yeah, positioning, effort, cannot get out-rebounded by inferior talent. Because if we get out-rebounded by inferior talent, we stand no chance. And the rebounds are key to Fred Hoiberg's offense because – he has been the fastest paced offense in the last two years in the big 10. And he was number two, his first year or no, this is his third year. So he was the fastest paced offense in the big 10 the last couple of years nationwide is fast offense. And what do you need for transition and break, you know, breakout scores and stuff like that. You have to get defensive rebounds. And when you don't do that transition offense is not as effective as it can be. It doesn't put, our scorers in good position. If that's what the offense is designed around, our half court is not as good as our transition offense. Um, so I, I want to take this a step further as I think we can here. So transition offense, why it works is because you get out and run, you have athletes that get down the court quicker, quicker than the mm-hmm. other team. They're able to make plays in transition. And sometimes that does involve I'm not going to say leaking out but or cherry picking, but you are definitely take having – you have practiced how to take off down the court quicker to get transition started, right? Mm-hmm. By doing so, if the players' minds aren't about finishing a defensive possession with the checkout, with the rebound, and people are – they're already thinking about, okay, I got to get my, on my horse. We got to play this fast tempo, get down the court offense. The emphasis is not there on rebounding so you're and and then like you said it 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 feeds right into it if you're not going to get a rebound then you can't run transition offense obviously so it hoiberg style you think it's more of a um it's so ingrained in their brains that they have to get on offense that that's why we're giving up so many offensive rebounds and not not getting as many defensive rebounds because their brain's already halfway down the court when the ball is in anyone's hands. I think that's part of it. I don't think okay. – I, I, I think that's a great point. 
I, I don't know that they are totally bought into finishing a de- defensive possession before they can switch over and play offense. So, I mean, if you go the very, very other extreme of a very slow tempo offense and defense and style of basketball, like you're focusing possession by possession and we're getting a stop on this and no matter what, and then we'll worry about our offense when we get down there. So that's the flip-flop and that's how I coach and I, I, how I've grown up playing basketball is valuing every possession like it's your last. Every possession, if you win the possession, you're going to win the game. So you take it one possession at a time and you grind it out on defense. You grind it out till you get a great shot on offense and you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Now, by saying that, Hoiberg has obviously had success with what he's done and his style of play at Iowa State. Um, maybe not in the pros, but there is a point to this, that if you're going to play that way, there has to be some clear-cut rules and ways that you coach it in order for it to be successful. What I mean by that is our shot selection against Western Illinois was just absolute horrible. I mean, we like you said, guys are playing one-on-one basketball and driving in and and just throwing up garbage at the rim. Now, does that make for some entertaining stuff? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. Trey McGowan's had two crazy dunks that were like, whoa. Is it entertaining? It's entertaining. Is it entertaining when we go down and we hit a three, five seconds into a possession? Absolutely. But it's a little scary that if if we're not valuing every possession – that it might bite us in the butt. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying we have to slow it down. I'm saying the shots that we take, we want them to be quick, but those shots have to be shots that we want to get in the flow of our offense, not forced shots. We had one assist in the yes. first half against Western Illinois, one, the entire half. So that right there tells you what kind of basketball we're playing. It's one-on-one. That's not Fred Hoiberg's offense. Correct. Traditionally at Iowa State, that – it was the very much pass, 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 transition, pass, good shot, cut to the rim, you know, layups. And we've seen this too with Hoiberg's teams in the past with players that are very, call them selfish. They're very self-focused and want to do what's best for them. Teddy Allen. Um I can't think of who else I'm thinking of. Duano Banton was not that at uh, all. It was the other point guard. He left. He was oh, short. Uh, uh, Wa- not Watson. Uh, oh, my goodness. What was his name? He was really good. Mac. Yep. Cam Mac. Yep, Cam Mac. So we've seen these type of players, and they are. They are very talented basketball players, but – if they're not coached the right way, it makes it tough. And I, I, I don't know the personalities. I don't know their relationships. It's hard to comment on that. I'm guessing it's probably a very difficult situation to coach players like that, that if they play that way, they're probably hard to talk to at times, hard to get them to buy into what you're trying to explain to them. But you also have to tell them, get them here first. I mean, you have to get the players here. So I don't know right. that whole balance between – making promises to players like that and then actually delivering on that and then saying, Nope, you're going to play a certain way while you're here and still trying to keep them happy. 
I don't know. I, I think that's probably very tough to do. Yeah. At college I will say it's probably good that Delano Baton's having, because I mean, he's doing, he's not like blowing people's minds in the NBA, but I don't know if you've been paying attention, but he's doing very well. Um, and that's a good example of, I think what Hoiberg wants. He's like, Hey, Baton wasn't putting up ridiculous numbers. He wasn't this stupid, selfish player. You know, he was a defensive pass first, maybe to a fault sometimes, extra long point guard. Um, but he did my system, and he got drafted in the second round of the NBA, and he is getting minutes in the NBA. Like, and name and the work. other guy. Not not that he's one of Hoiberg's guys, but name the other Roby. player. Roby. He, yeah. Th- those guys. And – that's not that's no coincidence that those are our two guys in the NBA right now. Yeah, it comes with all of their intangibles and well-rounded, not selfish, but that speaks to their work ethic. It speaks to the type of human being and character they are. And that's why they're able to make it to where they are because yes. they are high character individuals and it shows in the basketball court. It did in college and it is the next level. Your selfish type players are not now there's obviously a lot of them in the nba because they're just uber talented but that's what happens when you're the best person on the team you know like growing up if you're always the best kid on the court you're like well why would i give it to anyone else it's better in my hands than anyone else you know it's a product of being the best so yeah i i guess i don't know what my closing point is on all this but what do you think going forward is going to put us in the best i mean we're only two games in you went to one, the second one we both kind of paid attention to play by play, watched highlights sort of deal because it's on BTN plus, which sucks. But right now, you've seen us look, we've struggled half of the season. You know, we've had bad halves it, each game. I guess my thoughts are the potentials there and the ability to get these guys to mesh and play well together may take some games Mm -hmm. but it's also going to take some good coaching and holding players accountable and i think i i believe that this staff does that a lot better than our football staff does and i i think they do believe in quote no fear of failure is what frost believes in i think they do believe that hey these guys they got to get yelled at and they got it they got to be scared sometimes to play well um, because clearly for us teams are not scared of losing because we lose a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that the talents there, the athleticism's there, there, it's going to be entertaining regardless that I think we're going to be in a lot of games this year. Now I'm a little concerned in the close games. If our personalities are going to come out too much and ruin it, in the end, like it did against Western Illinois, or if they can overcome that, I think we could still reach our expectations of what we want this year. Now, losing to Western Illinois is a big old X on the resume. If you win that game by one, it's not even talked about. You lose it by one, it is a big glaring mark on your resume. So that sucks, but – you know, maybe happening in game one is better than happening in game 15. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And I think going forward, I, I would like to see our starting line to be a little bit bigger. I, you know, I think Eduardo Andre looked really good. I think 
Walker at, as a four and our Andre as a five with maybe Wilhelm Bradenbach maybe as, you know, tight rotation there. I think that'd be good to see too, just to help with that rebounding. Cause I think our wing play slash guard play, I don't really know what the line is anymore. Um, I think they're athletic enough that they can probably carry a lot of the scoring burden that we might lack if we go a little bit bigger. And I want to, I think I might want to see a little more Keon Edwards too. I, I'm not sure where he's kind of fitting in with everything. He seems maybe one of the quieter players, but I've been impressed with with what I saw in the Colorado game and the few minutes he got in the game that I watched. I think he is sneakily sneakily long um, for being tight. What about Kaisei, man? More Kaisei. That's what I need. I'm wearing my number 30 jersey. Come on, baby. From the game I watched, from the game that I was at again, he also has that personality, and it's very different than like what Verge's personality is. But he wants to get his shots up. I mean, he thinks, yeah. and he definitely has the green light. I mean, Hoiberg says if you have an ounce of breath, shoot shoot the ball, because he's that good of a shooter. Now that can also result in some bad shots and some rushed and some quick shots. And it goes right back to that shot selection thing, but he is fun to watch too. He's the crowd. Clearly he's their number one fan favorite right now. Um, so for my, uh, so for my birthday, Matt, there was like a Husker apparel store going out of business and Maddie bought, it was a number 30 football jersey. I was like, why the hell would I want a 30 football jersey? And then it clicked. I'm going to the Creighton game, busting out 30 for Kaisei, baby. <laughs> and I will say we are better at free throw shooting this year, which is good to see. That is very promising. <laughs> um, speaking of Creighton, real quick, that game is going to be on Tuesday night at 6 o'clock on FS1. It should be a pretty good basketball game. I anticipate it being very back and forth. Creighton is. I guess down this year than what they have been over the past awesome 10 years. Talent. They and they're won. sanctioned, aren't they right now? I believe they are. Yes. Yeah. So and that may have hurt recruiting. I don't know. They're very. They have a couple of seniors, and they're after that they're very young. They do have two wins on the year. They beat Arkansas Pine Bluff ninety to seventy seven, but that was a back and forth game. And then they beat Kennesaw State fifty one to forty four. So. That was a very low-scoring game, another close one. But they are 2-0. and Their uh, leading scorer is Alex O'Connell, averaging 16.5 a game. And then um, three of their next four scorers are all named Ryan. So they love Ryan's. But Ryan, right. Ryan Nemhard, Ryan Hawkins, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and then Arthur – can't read my handwriting – What's Arthur's last name? Kalamara? I have no idea. I can't read my handwriting. Um, but those guys are all their top their top players. Uh, like I said, two seniors and then a lot of young guys. So it, it'll be, I'm sure, an entertaining game. I, I expect PBA to be pretty full. Rocking. Are you going to be there? No. Basketball okay. practice this week, baby. Starting gotcha. two-a-days. Lady-o. Lady-o two-a-days. So, yeah, you have to let me know how that goes, and I think it should be a fun, entertaining game. Tickets, I believe, are like 20 bucks still on StubHub, so that's pretty high for Nebraska basketball. Yeah, on the secondary market. 
All right. Well, we got about 10 minutes left here. So we want to go through the some of the teams in the Big Ten. We're not going to go into detail on all of them, but give you a, a look at who the Huskers are going to be playing down the stretch. And we'll just start with the, the favorites here. Um, the favorite, I think, in everybody's mind, there may be an argument for Purdue, but the favorite in everybody's mind is Michigan. They're the number six team in the country. They lost some of their top talent in Livers and oh, what's the other guy's name? Wagner. Wagner. Duh. But they do return Hunter Dickinson, their big donk in the middle, big center that can also shoot it. He is probably the preseason comp player of the year favorite. And then they bring in two five stars and three four stars with it. Caleb Houston, one of the top recruits in the country. Everybody's been excited to watch him this year. Last year, they lost in the Elite Eight, and they're expected to be right there again in the end. They are the Big Ten favorite. What else on the Wolverines? I mean, yeah, they lost talent, and then they replaced it with two five-stars. You know, it's they're Michigan. They'll be good. Um, they have talented bigs, so – yeah, I, I'd expect them to be in the top 10 almost all year. Jawan Howard, too, third season yep. as a coach there. The next team, Purdue, the Boilermakers. They finished fourth in the conference last year with an 18-10 and 10 record. They're coached by Matt Painter, who I believe – now, I bet Izzo might have him. But he's got to be close to the most tenured most coach. Most tenured? He's in his 17th season, and they return a lot. The only person they lose is, is their guard, Aaron Wheeler, who is a pretty big loss, but they return basically everybody else. That is why they are so highly preseason rated, and they have a lot of talent, and I think they play very well together. Um, their big man, Travion Williams, is, is going to be a stud again this year in the paint. So I think – that some people could make a good argument for Purdue winning the Big Ten. They brought in a couple of four-star recruits as well this year. Any other thoughts on the Boilermakers? They're always just so big. I mean, how big is their – their biggest guy's like seven foot four. Like, yeah, isn't that's, he that's Edie. Zach Eady. That is? Yep. Yeah. They always have some freaking seven-footer that's just – an asshole and sucks to play. So, and they always got I, a couple of white guys that can shoot it. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be better than Michigan just because I think Michigan probably has a superior talent, whereas Purdue has more returning talent, but that's could very well be wrong. Cause painter has proven to be a good coach. Another favorite, the Illinois fighting Illini, Brad Underwood in his fifth season. They were a one seed last year in the tournament, but then got knocked out in the second round. They returned Kofi Coburn, one of those big dudes in the middle. Trent Frazier is also back. Gosh, he's been there forever, hasn't he? And they do lose. Yeah, they do lose to Sumu to the Bulls and Bashanis Vili, who always played well against Nebraska. He went to the Nuggets um, and then brought in a couple of transfers. 
I've always loved Underwood as a coach. I, I think he's fiery. I think he gets his guys to play well together. And I always think Illinois has very good team chemistry. But that being said, Nebraska always plays him close, I feel like. I feel like we're always there with him. I think last year was a little bit of a fluke year as far as, like, I think they'll be a good team. But, I mean, last year they were a one seed and everyone has talking about them. It is also Kofi Cokeburn is uh, suspended for the first four games, five games for signing autographs or something, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I think last year was a little bit of a fluke as far as how high they were all year. And then, obviously, they dropped the ball in the second round. And it, didn't even look, it wasn't even a good game. So, they'll, they'll be competitive, but – I, I don't know, man. I'm still pretty high in Nebraska. <laughs> it, like, it, it's really messing with my uh, level of judgment for everyone. Ohio State, another team towards the top. They were they are ranked number 17 in the AP poll. Chris Holtman in his fifth season returns a lot of Buckeyes from last year's team, only losing mm-hmm. their guard Dwayne Washington to the Pacers. But other than that, oh, and C.J. Walker to Germany. But they return everybody else, and they get some transfers from Indiana, Penn State. Another one of these teams that I like a lot. I like Chris Holman as a coach a lot. I it's funny how They're I love all the coaches team. that are good. It, yeah, you like the the defensive good coaches. <laughs> You know, you didn't say that about Michigan because they're more of an offensive True. team. You're all about the grinding teams. We haven't even got that about Purdue yet. either because Purdue's an offensive team too. Yeah, wait till we get um, to end, though. Yes, that's probably true. Uh, it is interesting. They did, like, steal one of Purdue's better players, which is not something you see too often within the same conference. So it'll be interesting to see how well he plays. Penn State's. Or, sorry, Penn State's, yes. That's what I meant to say. Jamari Wheeler. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, some of these teams that are down here towards the middle, the Maryland Terps, they were a 10 seed last year, got eliminated in the second round. Mark Turgeon as an 11th season. They lose quite a bit, but they also bring in a lot of new phases, a lot of transfers, bring guys in from Rhode Island, Georgetown, Utah, Old Dominion, Arizona State, and then a couple of four-star recruits. So there'll be a lot of new faces on this team, but – this is always a Maryland team that's around the top half of the conference every year. They do a good job of getting big men, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, and having some guys inside. Anything else on the Terps, the Turtles? No, I think their top scorer, uh, Eric Ayala. So he was he's an all Big Ten preseason selection and he should be pretty good for them, too, as far as offensively and defensively. Spartans. Oh, yeah, Tom Izzo. It's 26th season. Surprising. I thought he was going to get fired a couple of years ago after, like, he was just – he just feels like he gets in trouble every once in a while. Nothing big, but he always gets a nice wrist <laughs> slapping. He had some struggles last year as well. They went about 500 overall, 15 and 13. They did make it to the tournament in a play-in game. And got eliminated. They return some players, but they're not. They're, they're not the players. big names. The guys that have been there forever. Aaron Henry, Josh Langford. Oh my God. I thank God he's finally gone. Langford uh, had to be there for seven years. He at had least. to have been. Uh, Rocket Watts, Foster Lawyer, 
those guys are all all gone to either new teams or the NBA. I always love Izzo coach teams, as you hinted at before. I, I just think that he does a really good job of holding them accountable, coaching them hard. But maybe, maybe, maybe he's maybe coaching them just a tad bit <laughs> too hard. A and, little bit aggressive at times. And I think in today's world, it's it's tough. It's tougher to coach kids um, in that style now because not gonna lie, kids are soft compared to what they were. Hell, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, twenty five, thirty. They years. don't raise them like we, you know, like us. Then we're the last generation Those of kids. Damn technology and damn iPhones, right? Also yeah. sensitive, you know. Now we sound like fifty five year old dad just uh-huh. yeah so um i don't he, know he flirts with that line he flirts with that line I, and I, I do think you could be seeing some of that happen with michigan state and i'm not saying they're the only team that that's happened with i think you, you're seeing that maybe with coach k um mm-hmm. although he's obviously old getting old and retired i think roy williams obviously just retired and some of these coaches that are all-time greats that coach a certain style, I think have had a harder time to adapt to this new generation of kids coming up because they definitely need to be taught and talked to in a different way as unfortunate that is, but it is the truth. So um, yeah, I'll be interested to see if, if Tom can get his group back towards the top before he decides to throw in the towel. Cause I don't know how many more years he's got left. Yeah, I I don't think he has a lot more years left. I mean, um, he saw Michigan's old coach. He left for the NBA and then retired. And I mean, Sir Jim Beheim's still around, but the the old guys are kind of making their way out. The the guys that we always talk about. So I think he's probably not too far out. Um, yeah, they I, did lose some of their older talent, but they're replacing it with good young talent because yes. it's Michigan State. Michigan State. They're Spartans. We are just about out of time, Indiana. New head coaches here, Mike Woodson in his first season. Rutgers, uh, Steve Pykel in his sixth season. They are another one of these teams, middle of the pack, that return some very athletic scorers, Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker. Iowa. Losing Garza, obviously. Garza and Wieskamp. Um, but they do return Bohannon, who's in his, like, ninth year. Ninth year senior. Uh, Wisconsin, Greg Gard in his seventh season. They return Brad Davison, who's also in his ninth year. Word is that there is some uh, issues behind the scenes with the players and the head coach at Wisconsin. So I expect them to actually be a lot worse than what was projected. That's that's the rumors going around. Good to keep an eye on. Um, the last couple teams here, Chris Collins in his ninth season with the Northwestern Wildcats. Boo-boo is back. <laughs> Boo-boo is back. Um, Peter Nance is back. The Penn State Nittany Lions and Micah Shrewsbury in his first season post-Pat Chambers era. And then the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Another new coach, Ben Johnson, following up Coach Patino there at the barn in Minnesota. So, uh, it, it's going to be a fun Big Ten season. Do you have a favorite? 
that you like to win. You said Michigan. You're going to stick with I it? Think, I think Michigan, yeah. Give me Illinois know. this year, baby. Give me Illinois. I don't know. They seemed like a little bit of a fluke season last year. Give COVID, no, no fans. Yeah. I like them. Give me Coach Underwood. All right. That'll do it. We'll be back Wednesday for our preview of the Wisconsin Badgers and some more model predictions. The model's been cold. We had to finish out strong here to end the year. Uh, Till then, go Big Red. GBR.